that makes sense like yeah, that's what no, I said I, before like I am an advocate of boundaries because you know why would there, at one point it's like there's change and there's not change and change is scary but it's like why would you also put up with that um I don't know I feel like I just try to give them a different place in my life because there's a lot of who I am for example I have I don't know how to phrase this I don't know I don't want to phrase it anymore you go so, ahead <laughs> I also learned recently that it doesn't matter where they're coming from all the time I'm a huge advocate I was gonna say avocado I'm a huge advocate yeah. For, for empathy and understanding where people are coming from. And like I said yeah. before, driving over that speed bump when someone says something you don't mean to say. But when it's at the expense of my well-being, I'm learning that no matter where they come from, whether it is the way they're yeah, raised. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. It doesn't warrant their behavior to me. And that was the toughest thing in the past year for me to come to terms with. Yeah. It's that you spend so much time trying to make excuses for these other people when in fact it doesn't matter what, how great the excuse is. You know, when we talk to other people, this is something my friend AJ said. He said, when we talk to other people, we treat them innocent until proven guilty. But when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we are guilty until proven innocent. And I've been like that for the past year, I found. It's that these people who are toxic in my life, who are quite obviously at the expense of my well-being, I treat them innocent until proven guilty. And it took me a year to say guilty, court dismissed, you know? But I'm so quick yeah. to convict myself of a crime. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. No, it's interesting. I, I feel the same way. Like, um, I don't know. My psychotherapist has told me many times that I'm a highly sensitive person, uh, which makes sense. I feel people's emotions heavier than I feel my own and all of that stuff. I can read people like a book. I I do have to work on not assuming things because that's something I've had to work on because I'll look at somebody and be like, this is wrong, this is wrong. And every single aspect of them, I pick apart as if I know and I don't know because I'm not them, right? And that is a huge thing I had to do. But I feel like, especially when I am in an argument with somebody, well, I mean, I don't really try to argue with people, but for example's sake, if I'm, something's going on where we're butting heads and I, read you know like naturally like I'll be intuitive I'll read everything I'll be like this is why they're doing this this is why they're doing this and I do have to remind myself and be like no that's not an excuse they still have to go through we, just because I know this doesn't mean they know this and they still have to act as if out of their actions because their actions are their words even if they're feeling something different and they have to own the responsibility of that just like I would so if I mess up because yeah. So if I'm feeling, you know, like frustrated because of my anxiety and then I flip out on my mom in the kitchen, like we were talking about, just because that's from anxiety doesn't mean that's not wrong. And I can't just say, you know what, this is my anxiety. I have to be like, no, this is how I responded to my anxiety. And this is still something I have to work on. And I'm sorry for that. So you have to own your responsibility of that. So I agree with you in the sense. Yeah. My question is when you feel anxious and I really want to know, do you, Okay, do your moments of anxiety tend to come when there is an actual imminent threat in front of you? And so you feel anxious because of that external threat? Or does yeah. it come even when you're having the time of your life? I find for COVID, I was calmer. My therapist was actually taking a poll because all of her um, 
anxious people like she can't tell me obviously that's illegal but she was just saying that she's noticed a lot of her clients who are you know highly anxious when covid came around like you know highly anxious about health anxiety it's like they were so used to that level of threat in their head that they were just calm they dealt with it better than other people dealt with it she's told me before that i'm actually better at dealing with trauma than other people because i know how to process my emotions i know how to go through that um i do find when bad things happen it's like, yeah, like, oh, there's the joke in the group that I'm the unstable friend, but I'm actually the most stable of the entire group because I know how to deal with my emotions. I know what to do, how to calmly go about something, how to process, when to say something, when to not. So yeah, it's like the joke that I'm unstable, but I'm actually the most stable, if that makes sense, because you learn about this. Interesting. And you know what I found with COVID? It's that, okay, being people who have anxiety, being people who are constantly anxious, Yeah, yeah. we spend so much time trying to architect the future, trying to build the future off of these crazy hypotheticals. Yeah, yeah. And then COVID came around and it's like, hold up. I thought of COVID a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The intrusive thoughts from anxiety told me that there was going to be something that was going to tear the economy and the housing market and my life apart. It happened. So I've already been pre- uh, preparing for it for the past three years through anxiety, through yeah. spending time living in the future. Yeah, so I feel like I was better able yeah, there you go. I feel like I was better able to cope with, uh, with, with COVID as well because I've already, I've already dealt with COVID four years ago. Yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> no, honestly, it makes sense though. But you're asking like when there's a threat, like wh- what's my anxiety like with that? The other day I almost got in a car accident. Everybody in the car was so like, I don't know if this is a weird like trauma response. I don't know what it is technically or psychologically. I almost got in a car accident. All my friends were freaking out in the car and I was literally like, like, I was just fine. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I was like dissociating, yeah. but I was like, I was like, oh guys, like it's over with. And they're all freaking out. Like, and I was like, I was like, okay, so where are we going now? Like, I don't know. It was super weird. Yeah, they were like weird. yelling at the other driver who almost hit us. And I was like, it's, it's over. I was like, guys, like I, I saved, like I got an ego about it. I was like, like I saved us guys. Like I saved us. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You know, you know, for me, um, my anxiety stand, uh, it tends to come about when I'm having the time of my life. It honestly does. Mm-hmm. My anxiety yeah. knocks on my door when I have nothing to do but stare at the ceiling for hours and hours and hours. And that's where I tear myself apart, just completely, honestly. You know, it, it comes when, okay, there's two types of people who feel anxious, I feel like. There's two types of people who panic. Mm-hmm. There's a type who says, get me off this plane. And then there's a type who says, get me off this beautiful island. I'm the second type. I want to get off the beautiful island. I don't know why, but I just do. I don't know why I feel anxious when I'm on that island, but I just do. And I have no reason to be anxious. It just comes during that time. So yeah, it's a very interesting way how anxiety steps into my life. I had a thing for a little while. I don't know if it's related in any way to you, but then your experience. But sometimes I'm so anxious that I'll plan something like a trip and so excited for this trip that I don't even want to go on it because I have this underlying at like ex- expectation that it's going to suck and then yeah. I almost don't want to go because I just know it's not going to be good and I don't want to go if it's not going to be good and if it's not going to be perfect and then I'm so I have so much expectation on that that you're right it's like what you're looking at so I'm looking for something to go wrong and any little thing that goes wrong well I don't do this anything more but like melt down you know I'm like I knew it basically yeah <laughs> my 
my yeah that's you know what I, I feel the same way do you feel like your imaginations of the future are so much more fun than what the future actually has to present and you're like okay come on i thought it was going to be so much better than this because i feel that sometimes i don't know i've never thought about it like that it's interesting how different but similar we are at the same time right yeah bouncing yeah. ideas off each other you kind of figure out a lot about yourself it's important that we talk a lot about all of these experiences even if they're off topic because the fact that we can have this discussion is because we're self-aware right we wouldn't be able to have this discussion or even talk about anything if we weren't self-aware and looking into the patterns of our anxiety how it works to look at it like you know the gears that it is instead of just attached to you mm -hmm. exactly exactly um I know I briefly touched on productive and unproductive anxiety, but did you want to finish your thought that you had before on that and just explain it a little bit better? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the way I see, okay. Productive anxiety doesn't present itself too much to me, honestly. Uh, I haven't been too productive uh, in the past, like 15 years, maybe, <laughs> uh, oh. but productive anxiety, when it does come about, when it does present itself to me, yeah, in a very interesting way. When I feel anxious about something and I have an increased self-awareness of it, I'm able to reduce the, the probability of me feeling stressed during my work, right? This goes back to feeling your emotions. Before I sit down for work in the morning, if you want to cry, cry, but don't cry while you're doing that assignment. Because now it's affecting everything. It's affecting your schoolwork. And, and especially if your yeah. camera's on during a Zoom meeting during class, it's the worst, <laughs> right? So don't cry then. But if you want to cry right before you get into it, right before you step into that big motherboard of the world and downloading information by the minute, yeah. then, then cry, then feel that emotion. So anxiety and an increased level of self-awareness allows me to feel my emotions instead of suppressing them up like this bottle of pop that you just shake and it explodes the moment you're writing the assignment. Well, I feel like you're feeling them intentionally, right? And it's a big thing with, there's a lot of different ways that people cope with anxiety. There's some people that they completely, you know, go into anxiety, think about it all day, all day. And there's other people, um, I've been both types of people, but where I just go and do 50 plans a day, I do 50 things to avoid thinking about that anxiety. And when I was doing the distractions to avoid those painful emotions in therapy, my therapist would, you know, talk to me about intentionally choosing a time for it's okay to process your emotions. Um, which again is having the self-awareness. And that was the whole point of this thing is how self-awareness can benefit you. It's honestly make or break with all of your anxiety because self-awareness is learning about it. Right. Exactly. It's, it's half the battle. And I think, you know what the, the unproductive anxiety part for me is this constant anxiety squared. It's this exponential graph of I'm anxious, okay, and now I'm anxious about being anxious and anxious about being anxious about being anxious and continued and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so that unproductive anxiety manifests itself in so many places in my life, so many places. It's, it's me being worried about having to use bear spray instead of the actual bear itself it's me being worried about the fire alarm going off than the actual fire yeah like yeah real threat that's what unproductive anxiety is to me it's so and it's crazy how how it sort of skews my perspective on the world because you should be focused on how do i put out a fire instead of how do i turn off 
the fire alarm. Thought like, it's just interesting how sometimes, even if you have anxiety, some things you probably should be anxious about on a little scale, you're not at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like my anxiety, like I've spent nine hours panicking and crying over Parkinson's, but then when it comes to doing a job interview, I'm like, oh, whatever. And then one of my other friends will be like sweating over a job interview, you know? And I'm like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like, like it's just so crazy how what it latches onto and what it doesn't latch onto. Yeah, and, and we can never anticipate it. That's the crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. We can never anticipate when our anxiety is going to serve us in mm-hmm. a productive way or in an unproductive way. But like I think we've established through this entire thing, it's that when you have an increased level of self-awareness, you can reduce the probability of it being unproductive. Mm-hmm. You can reduce its chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking you, um, do you, where do you feel like your anxiety has... Man, like what's the craziest place your anxiety has manifested itself? Because initially when I started having anxiety, when I realized I had anxiety, I thought it was just me pulling my hair out in my room and that's it. The moment I step out of the room, I'm just a normal guy again. But I realized that it manifests itself in- Yeah, it follows like, you. Yeah. So where do you think it's followed you so far? Can I have another example? Like, like the darkest place it's been or like the weirdest place it's manifested? Either or, either or. I, for three years straight, I didn't have a single, I remember saying to myself, I didn't have three moments of just peace and happiness, maybe maximum out of three years. Like every single second was an anxiety thought. Like every single thing was tied to an anxiety thought. Like that's how bad it was for three years straight. Like I didn't have any other. So in a sense, it was just fully manifested because I never had a moment where it wasn't anxious. Like it was very, that's more the obsessive side of my anxiety, right? With the OCD and the. Okay. Interesting. And how long did it take you to realize that it is manifesting itself everywhere right now? That anxiety is knocking on your door all the time. I didn't get to escape it because when I was younger, I was anxious, sometimes anxious, not like other times, but what happened with me when my anxiety started and then that thing happened where I had the allergic reaction at the hospital. And then I had. Uh, they were pumping a lot of medications through my system. And then that is what triggered my anxiety was all the, they had me, I had an allergic reaction from amoxicillin and then they had me on like 15, not 15, but they had me on like 10 medications. And then that day was the day that my anxiety started. And it was like from a two to like a 20. And then for three years straight, it was just at a 20. Like it never stopped or went away. Interesting. Like and it's those thoughts never went away. The, it's like it unleashed all my intrusive thoughts, but they never went away. I just stopped. Now they're just thoughts. Like I just started, stopped trying to cure it and just started saying, how can I live my life and still have that? Like, it doesn't have to be painful. You know, it's like you said, make it your friend. Exactly. You know, I think when I started feeling anxious during the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was so obsessed with having high highs. I was so obsessed with living this perfect constant linear graph of everything being up mm-hmm. i never realized that you have to have the downs in order to go up and when i started having downs there was another piece to it that i forgot it's that you have downs and you have ups in life you have good times and you have bad times but they're not separate from each other matter of fact these two people know each other very well and so life isn't this 
it life isn't about the the experience you have of down times only or of good times only it's about both and not only both but how the two connect how you felt when you were down and how you were excited to feel the up and how you felt when you were up and how you prepared for the down yeah this is gonna sound crazy but i like i don't like having down moments but sometimes when i have them i get excited because like when I see a down moment, you see progress in your worst moments. That's when you see progress. You make decisions you wouldn't make from another decision. So if you're having a panic attack one time, the next time you have a panic attack, if you even do one thing different where you can say, I progressed. Like, So if I'm having a bad day, I almost take it like a challenge. I'm like, yeah, I'm having a really bad day, but how many things can I do externally to make myself feel better? I will literally, like before I just lay in bed, be like, this is hopeless. But you know, providing yourself that hope and motivation. Um, I will take a shower. I will cook. I will honestly attempt to work out just so that I can say, wow, my bad days aren't as bad as they were three years ago. Right. And those bad days, they were there for a reason too, Mm -hmm. right? They led to good days. Are you excited about what comes after the pandemic? Because going off of this logic that we're working off of, no, 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 listen, 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 (laughs) because going off of this logic. Okay. So when you have, when the graph goes down, it goes back up the same amount it went down, if not more. So the past year of the pandemic, it's been this huge downfall, this huge trough. But what does that mean? I feel safe with the pandemic. You feel, okay. I know. Yeah, no, honestly, my friends, like I feel like they all stayed home because, you know, like online school and stuff like that. And I feel like when the pandemic's up, it just just means more change. It means everyone's gonna move away. And then I'm gonna have to like, it feels like I get breaks now. Like there's a reason for me to like, it feels like there's a pause on life for me to catch up with everyone. And it feels like after the pandemic, it's just going to go really fast. Everyone's going to be like going in different places and it's just not going to stop again. Okay. I see what you mean. I get that. I get, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like being in the biggest tornado ever. Yeah. Lockdown is different though. Like what I feel with lockdown is just miserable. Like not being able to socialize and like, I, I get excited for that to be up, but for my friends to move away just feels devastating. Right. Yeah. I'll agree with you there. For me, when the pandemic first started, I did, I see, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Cause it was like having the biggest tornado in town and every single house is just torn apart. Phone lines yeah. are broken and everything, but you found, you found one house in the entire neighborhood. That did this still- happen or is this an analogy? This is an analogy. I was like, what, when? <laughs> no, this has never happened, but okay. you end up finding one house that's actually doing all right. And you step inside and you have your guard up. Cause you're like, this tornado can come any second now. Yeah. You step inside the house and everything's perfect. And so you get so emotionally attached to that house, you don't want to leave. Even after the tornado is gone, even after COVID is done and we're all vaccinated and things open up, you don't want to leave because mm-hmm. you have created such a safe space in that house. So yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I'm not really the type of anxious person where things stop me. I'm the type to just feel that anxiety and not like that feeling. Like, I don't struggle to get out of my comfort zone. I don't struggle to make cha- to make changes. I just hate change. Like some people hate change, but I like really, really one of the most things that affects me is change. So like I'll still do those things, but like like it never stops me from making a decision, from going to school, from getting a job. Like I remember with my cashier job, it only took me two weeks of a decision to go out and find a job in dental, and that's really hard to do. But it's the ambitious part of me, right? But it doesn't change the fact that I was, you know, depressed with it. I missed all my friends, the emotional attachments. So that's the type of anxious person I am, if that makes sense. 
I know yeah. that I know that I'm not just going to stay home. Like my fear isn't that everyone's going to do stuff and like I'll be left behind. My fear is just that it is changing. I know I'm going to go out and do my own things. It just that makes sense. Exactly. No, I, I get that. Do you feel nervous about leaving? Is is one aspect of you feeling nervous about leaving the pandemic that you didn't get to do everything you want to do during the pandemic? Because I feel that a lot. Um, the pandemic was actually amazing for me because that was during my recovery. So I don't really have an example because the three years leading up to the pandemic, like I was miserable. The pandemic was when I started. I don't know if it was the forced independence for me, but I started getting better during that. Um, so I just, I don't have an example yet of what my life is like without the pandemic with my anxiety. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. But okay. Wow. Well, I guess if you're able to create such a safe space during the biggest like threat to, to the world in the past 20 years, then imagine what comes next. Imagine the next time we have a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Imagine the next time we have something bad like I this. I hope not. <laughs> but you've already been there before and you hung out there and you had a good time and you and you figured it out. Today we've talked a lot about um self-awareness we've talked about pandemic anxiety we've strayed off a little bit but I still find that it's very important information um I think we should just go over again some more you know tips to go with it and just say our final thoughts sure yeah uh here so we're talking about being intentional. So being intentional is one of the most important parts of healing with your anxiety, um, being intentional about what you're doing and what you're not doing. If you're doing something good, you want to be intentional about doing this thing. You want to understand why it's helping you. Right. And I think something that does help you, uh, you know, since we're talking about anxiety is dealing with the test only on the day of the test. It's dealing with the exam only on the day of the exam, I think. I think a big problem with anxiety is that we spend so much time concerning ourselves with the future. We create these huge fantasies and imaginations of what the future will look like. Most of them are pretty pessimistic, if I'll be honest. Yeah. That we forget to ground ourselves and come back to reality and realize that the future is fine as long under one condition. If you focus on the present, if you stay process oriented, if you stay enjoying and loving the current moment and leaving the future up to, you know, whoever, whatever you believe in. Right. And so deal with the test only on the day of the test. Don't concern yourself with anything before that. Yeah. I have a test a week from now. All I have to do is be prepared for tomorrow. Matter of fact, I only have to be prepared for right now. I should spend time studying for the test this second than to concern myself with the potential mark I may or may not get a week from now. Everything is stressful and anxious a week from now. I feel like a huge part of anxiety is feeling like you want to be prepared, but you're going to have to trust at some point that just having a little bit of worry is preparing you enough to go into something. Yeah, that's you're sort definitely of- gonna have to start trusting that. And you also mentioned the other day when we you were just helping me with one of my posts, um, just that when you're focusing on all those bad things, instead of focusing on also the good things can happen to you. But if you're not open to looking at that, you're not going to be noticing the good things that happen. 
It's like, for example, when I'm getting ready for something and I'm really flustered right before this podcast, um, I realized it was raining outside and my webcam was completely dark and I was trying to set up like four different like lights at once and then they weren't working and pieces were falling apart and I was flustered. But then I wasn't focusing on any of the part that like, you know, my whole family, they're, they're quieted down. Everything else is going. My internet connection is good. Right. Like I'm not focusing on the stuff that is going right because I'm not focusing on it. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So there, you're saying there, there were good things happening within the bad. It wasn't just bad and it wasn't just good. It's like that yin yang, you know, yeah. black, white, white, and the black kind of thing. That's amazing. For sure. that, that's, that's a perfect example of, I mean, that's the epitome of self-awareness right there. When I go through bad things, there are good things within it and vice mm -hmm. versa. And so for the bad things, when I am having those stressful, anxiety-inducing moments, my advice for everyone is don't wait for it to be over, right? Don't wait for it to, to run. It's, don't wait for it to be quicker. When you're in traffic, don't wait for the traffic to, oh, I wish the traffic was over now. I wish this test was over sooner. Because all you're doing when you're wishing for... You're just wishing away your life. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You're wishing for less time. Mm -hmm. Another way of saying I wish this was over is I wish I had less time on earth, mm -hmm. which is just the most pessimistic view of, 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 of approaching, you know, all these anxiety moments, because you'll be sitting at 40, 50, 60 years old wondering, where did all my time go? Well, every time you had a stressful situation, you just wished it was over. That's where your time went. There's an analogy that I don't know, I'm probably butchering it because I don't know the actually anal actual analogy, but my dad used to say it to me and it's like when you're young, you think that everybody cares about what you're doing, you think about, you think that everybody's, you know, more or less obsessed with the actions that you're doing, you're anxious about it, you get older, you realize it's a little bit less, but they're still thinking about you and then you turn 60 years old and you realize nobody was thinking about you at all, they're all thinking about themselves <laughs> and how this is affecting them, and that you should have lived your life a little bit differently right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's the spotlight effect. I think that's what they call it in psychology. When we walk around, we think everyone is looking at us. And now this, this is a universal formula. This is a universal concept. And so since it's universal, it means everyone thinks everyone is thinking about them. Yeah. So we're all walking inside of this little individual borderline egocentric bubble of uh -huh. someone's, someone's watching me right now. Yeah. Everyone's watching themselves. Everyone's concerned with the way they look. And even how they act and think about you is something to do with themselves. Exactly. Oh, 100%, 100%. You're so right. Yeah. The other day, um, I messaged Danny just to help me with this post about social anxiety and, you know, just kind of thinking that everybody's thinking about you all the time, caring about what people think of you. And most of the time, the way that people think about you or act towards you is something to do with their own insecurity, something to do with themselves. It's like if somebody's making fun of you, maybe they're making fun of you to somebody else because they also themselves feel like they want to fit in. And they're doing that to secure their relationship with somebody else that really has nothing to do with you. You're just the content. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's so that's also a very, very toxic way. How a lack it, of it is toxic. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's very toxic. How if you don't have self-awareness, that's what it leads to. Mm -hmm. We see these people who project their anger and their anxiety towards us. It's it's like, oh, I wish you just had self-awareness. You know, if you don't have self-awareness, then in that situation, you're just going to think that you did something wrong, that maybe you're weird, but really it has nothing to do with you. And they're just so concerned with fitting in. They're just trying to be funny or something like that and say something. Right, right. I'm, I'm saying that their lack of self-awareness yeah, and, and therefore increased levels of anxiety and stress has manifested itself in a billion different places. One of which is yeah. I'm going to make fun of you for having something that I don't have or being a certain way that I actually do want to be deep down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
Um, I think I could just reiterate why self-awareness um, is important to me with my recovery. So without self-awareness, I feel like over the last five years, I've grown into like a 30 year old, like, like I'm turning 20 next month, but really like, I feel like I'm 30 years old inside. Like, I feel like I don't fit in with my surroundings, with the maturity that I have. And that's because how much self-awareness has changed the stuff for me when I was growing up. Um, obviously I had anxiety, but I didn't know what it was. So it's like, for example, in high school, if I was late to class, I remember one day they were doing presentations. So instead of going into the class, I sat outside of the hallway for like 10 minutes deciding if I was even going to go in or not. Without self-awareness, you can't know the problem. Um, self-awareness showed me that I was afraid of people watching me when I walk in and having the eyes on me. And if I don't know that's the problem, how am I supposed to challenge that and say, okay, I'm just going to walk in, I'm going to deal with those emotions and I'm going to you know, probably figure out that it's not that bad and it's only a two second walk and then everyone's going to return to the presentation again. So without the self-awareness, I can't decide why this upsets me so much, what I should do about it. And I never would have recovered from that. I would have still be, I would have been staying outside of the classroom instead of just challenging it and making more normal situations in my life again. Um, with my health anxiety, obviously it was a pretty severe case of it, but self-awareness and learning how my anxiety worked helped me because I didn't believe that the things that I was afraid of health-wise were anxiety, but the self-awareness helped to show it to me that it was anxiety. And so if I wasn't self-aware and I wasn't dedicated to looking at the patterns of my anxiety and how it works and why it works that way, um, I wouldn't be where I am today because I remember one time I was driving and I was like, you know, what? like I might be diabetic today and I was worried about it. And my brain immediately went, no, you recognize this feeling. This is just your anxiety latching onto something. It's not a natural threat. And it was like a one second thing. And I wasn't worried about it anymore. Um, it's such a powerful thing, I think. And we both have different things in common with how self-awareness has helped us. So maybe you want to talk about a little bit of yours and then we can wrap it up. Sure, sure, sure. So just generally speaking, I think, I mean, this is one of my, my biggest beliefs is that self-awareness gets you halfway there. Yeah. recognizing what the problem oh, yeah. is half the battle already so mm -hmm. when someone comes to me and they say but i have this anxiety problem i have this you know this problem with this person by the way you're halfway there you're halfway there just by telling me that you have a problem and so the other half is being able to solve the problem or i guess in the case of anxiety mm -hmm. stress being able to manage it and so what's the goal the well, goal managing it in a sense is solving the problem right it's yeah it's a very very unique way of solving the problem mm -hmm. right now as humans we are all so outcome oriented so we feel the need to jump right into the second half of the battle i want to solve the problem right now i want to manage and regulate my i want to be in the driver's seat of every single thought and emotion that i have right now at the latest by tomorrow morning <laughs> yeah, but you need to spend time living inside of the neighborhood of growing self-awareness to be able to reach that point. That's the prerequisite. Before you hit that course of solving, the prerequisite is, by the way, you need three credits. And those credits come from being self-aware. Yeah. So don't be outcome-oriented. Be focused on the process. Be focused on having fun while you fight that battle and focus on the awareness first and the management and the regulation and the solutions will come right after that. It'll come probably when you least expect it as well, as long as you focus on self-awareness first. I agree with that completely. Um, I feel like when I was in therapy, um, 
I used to get frustrated when my therapist wouldn't tell me what was wrong with me. But I mean, only really, you know yourself. And it's, it's your job to pick apart your childhood. It's your job to pick apart what comes where. Um, but self-awareness changes everything. Like when I have nightmares, for example, like I had nightmares last night and then I can pick apart every single aspect of a dream and be like, that came from here, that came from there, this came from here. And it's almost cool. You look at it like a science rather than, oh, this is this horrible thing in my life. Um, everything just makes a lot more sense when you're dedicated to figuring it out. There you go. And it honestly, having self-awareness makes you a lot more of a decent human being. Like you're going to treat people better if you understand the problem of a situation, if you're dedicated to taking that and treating people better, if that makes sense. If you're yeah. the type of person to look at every single aspect of a situation before making an aspect, that's going to make you a pretty decent human being. Sorry, my cat is just, there you go. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. You know, I think that we all need to be like this is why we are having this right now this conversation it's because we are not asking anyone who who is listening to this to solve the data we're not asking you to solve the equation we're just asking you to look at the equation and see where the numbers are coming from that's it just look at the data that's that's the least you can do for yourself right now look at the data spend spend a lot of time looking at that data where does every single point and number come from figure it out later i find the more you unravel yourself the more you become obsessed with it too most people i know they love getting to know themselves better yeah. like every conversation i have i learn a little bit more about myself and i love doing that it's like your little it's like your detective picking apart your childhood this came here it doesn't even have to be with bad things it can be with good yeah. things too like when you look at uh, relationships for example and you look at birth order um sometimes the most successful relationships for example if you have an older brother um, and the person you're dating has a younger sister that has the highest chance of having the most successful relationship because of that. And it's just interesting being able to understand that stuff. You become almost yeah. obsessed with it. Like it's cool. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you do become obsessed with it. It's like a, it's a playful thought. Yeah. It's a very playful thought. You're telling me that this is why I was stressed out because 15 years ago, I had to deal with that. That's insane. Sometimes you have that That's O insane. moment. And when you have that O moment and just label your anxiety, it reduces your anxiety. It, it feels silly labeling your anxiety, but understanding, know, knowing where it's from and labeling it, it reduces it in itself. It is the most exciting game of connecting the dots. I've yeah. ever, and yeah. it never ends either because you're always having new experiences. Never so often you're like, oh crap, <laughs> am I doing this? Like, yeah, yeah. And the things you're going through right now, 15 years in the future, you will look back at this moment right now and say, that's why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling right now. It makes me excited too. Like if I'm a 30 year old while I'm 19, what am I going to be like when I'm 30? Like, am I going to be like a wise <laughs> person, like sitting in a library or something like spitting out wisdom? Like, I don't know. Right on, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a lot about a lot of good stuff. I think this is a good place to wrap it up um is there anything else you want to say before we end it no you know this was great this was awesome and uh not only or do we feel like this is all advisable for other people who are listening we hope that you guys do if you haven't started yet start a journey towards self-awareness but this is also a lot of good advice for ourselves i feel like i learned yeah. a lot from you and and this was a really really good conversation you know this was great 
For me, self-awareness is life-changing. For me, it's make or break. You understand your life and you're dedicated to growing yourself as a person or you're not, right? And you need to make that active choice on what type of person you want to be as you grow up. Or if you already are an adult, then you can make that choice of what type of person you want to be going forward. Um, Being dedicated to always growing yourself and growing who you are is kind of an amazing thing. And it always creates opportunities for yourself. It creates a happier life for yourself. And um, challenges you to definitely get out of your comfort zone for one I think just understanding how this stuff works helps you to get over it and not not really just get over it because that's the wrong word to use but it's easier to challenge your comfort zone when you understand the science of challenging your comfort zone and how it works than to just not understand why something is making you feel so bad and just avoid it because you don't understand any part of the situation Mm -hmm. Um, so we thank you for coming on this podcast Um, it was exciting talking to you Danny and This is going to be on Apple and Spotify, obviously. We're going to be posting it on my account as well. Did you want to talk about your workshop at all or you good? Um, Yeah, no, I just run the anxiety and stress workshop, like I said at the beginning, and there will be more of that coming out. It's with uh, Mac here in Calgary, Alberta, and I'm excited to see some of you guys there, hopefully. Fingers crossed. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming out, everybody.